We just stepped on their face with a hobnailed boot and broke their nose. One, two, three. Bullshit. Welcome to the Title Run Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Bethay, coming to you today from the truest studios to talk to you about the 2021 Atlanta Braves to this point of the season. If you're new to the show, please follow us on any major podcasting platform. You can also follow us on social media, Facebook and Twitter. And you can email us, titlerunsports at gmail.com. So the Braves have always been my first love as an Atlanta sports fan. I have early memories of myself at four and five years old going to Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, walking down with my grandparents to the cheaper from the cheaper seats to the better seats because the stadium was empty, and watching Dale Murphy and the crew get their heads beat in. So I am a diehard, lifelong Braves fan. And as I say that, in my 38 years of existence on this planet, this has probably been one of the most frustrating Braves teams that I have watched. There have been teams that were been there have been teams with the Braves. The Braves have fielded teams that have been much worse than this team, but I don't know that as many of the teams have been as frustrating because this is a Braves team that we didn't expect to be this bad. And there have been years where you kind of hoped the Braves would be good and they ended up being disappointing. But this is a year where you actually thought you were going to be good. You had most of the pieces still in place from the team that went to the NLCS last year, and it's just flopped. And so it's been hard to watch, it's been hard to get engaged, and it just seems like there's not a lot of light at the end of the tunnel for Braves fans. So the Braves limped to the All-Star break with a 44-45 and record with another chance to get above 500 before they dropped one of the last three games of the Marlins. And I even called this, I said, watch the Braves win two out of three against the Marlins and still go into the break under 500, which is exactly what they did. And the Braves have been on this trend for about a month now Well, they'll Win two, lose two. Win three, lose two. Win four, lose three. And they just can't seem to get over the hump as they famously have not been over 500 at any point this season, which is just absolutely amazing. And so far in the first two games after the All-Star break, we're seeing the same stuff rear its head that we saw in the first half. The Braves blew two seven-inning leads in the series against Tampa Bay. And in a series where they scored 19 or 21s, managed to only win one game. It's just maddening, and people want to get on to Brian Snicker about his choices with the bullpen, but it's like, who do you want him to trot out? We just sent A.J. Minner down and replaced him with Sean Newcomb as if that's going to fix anything, and Shane Green has an ERA over 10. Will Smith has been better but still shaky, and Chris Martin, who is one of your most reliable relievers, blew a lead in the uh, second game of the series and gave up a 6-4 lead that allowed the game to go into extra innings where the Braves are now 2-7. and seven. So there just isn't a lot of hope and a lot of answers. So the question is, with the Braves mired in mediocrity, struggling to get about 500, what happens? Do we buy? Do we sell? Or is the answer something else? And what's crazy about this is that the Braves have actually scored 26 more runs on the season than they have allowed. 442 runs scored to 416 allowed which means that their Pythagorean win-loss is 49-44. and 44. So the Braves are underperforming their expected win-loss record by three or four wins. This should be a team that should be about a game or half a game behind the New York Mets based on what they're doing with wins and losses. But for this team to have any chance to compete moving forward, something's got to change. And the question is, do the changes come in preparation for winning this year or do they come in preparation for winning in the future? 
So option number one is the old school midseason fire sale where you trade players on undesirable contracts or expiring contracts and you try to get back prospect values with the idea being if a guy is about to leave and you don't plan on re-signing him anyway, get what you can for him and prospects or controllable contracts and minimize your losses with the realization that trading away a good player, a good major league player, probably hurts your chances of winning. And the reasons for doing this is very simple. The Braves have been a massive disappointment, and the bullpen, one of the biggest issues, is second in losses in the major leagues, 21st in the ERA, and the Braves on offense are actually scoring a lot of runs in the top five in the National League, but they are 15th in scoring runs with runners in scoring position and are essentially prisoners of the three-run homer as they are second in the major leagues in runs scored by a home run. The lineup's been massacred by injuries, both the lineup and the rotation. I mean, I mean, the Braves just got back Tuki Toussaint, who's replacing Ian Anderson. Mike Soroka's down. Ronald Acuna's down. You have injuries to Travis Darno. You had injuries to Marcelo Zuna, and then the weird suspension, domestic violence situation. And so the Braves have just been ravaged on both on the field and the mound with injuries. And even if this version of the Braves does get it together enough to chase down the Mets, you know, because they're only four and a half games out of first at the time of this recording, there's not a lot of hope that they can score enough or protect leads well enough to actually make any sort of noise in the playoffs. And so the thought of selling off pieces becomes a lot more viable when you consider they could get a lot from some contending teams. The Braves have pieces. Charlie Morton is probably the most obvious piece as He's had a really, really good last seven or eight games, ERA under three, and he's been a horse in the postseason. So you got teams like the Padres or Brewers that would love to have him in their rotations as the Padres have had a lot of injuries to their starting staff. Drew Smiley has quietly gotten it together, and he has not given up three or more runs since May 8th, and he's gone at least five innings or three or fewer runs in five consecutive starts. So could the Braves sell high on him and bring back a controllable contract or you know a solid prospect? Could Chris Martin, who I know hasn't been great, but traditionally has been a pretty good left-hander, and left-hander relievers are hard to find, could he provide a decent return for a team that needs a left-hander reliever? Travis Darno is going to be a free agent. Could some team that needs catching depth say, hey, even though he's coming off an injury, he's a decent bat that would provide a really good depth for us? Or even this one. This is a crazy one. Y'all, Johan Camargo is hitting 305 down in AAA, OPS of 901. He's a good defender. He's 27. He can play just about every position. He's playing first base right now for AAA Gwinnett. Could he be an attractive piece for a team that needs some depth in their infield? And could he get you something? I, the Braves have pieces, and they're attractive ones. And so with them languishing in mediocrity, it's easy to justify moving players like Morton or Smiley when their best work is pretty regularly undone by a schizophrenic bullpen. And you could really justify giving their innings to younger guys like Kyle Moeller, Bryce Wilson, and Kyle Wright. We just saw Tuki Toussaint yesterday pitch a – fantastic game. It's the best he's looked in ages. He's finally throwing more fastballs. <laughs> and even in the outfield, you could elect to go the same route and start playing Christian Pache. I know he's a disaster at the plate, but let him get those major league ABs. Pull up Drew Waters. Let him have a month to see what he can do. And let them continue their development against actual big league pitching in hopes of getting them ready for full-time duty in 2022. You could go that route. And the great thing is, what if Kyle Moeller... Bryce Wilson and Kyle Wright come up and pitch well. Well, you might accidentally bump your head and find yourself still in contention at the end of the year anyway. Now, having said all that, the elephant in the room is the future of Freddie Freeman. Freeman's 
Uh, Freddie's in the middle of this just absolutely torrid streak where he's raised his average probably about 40 points in the last five weeks. And he could warrant a humongous market as a two-month rental for someone like the New York Yankees or even the Los Angeles Dodgers who are currently playing Albert Pujols at first base some. And obviously, Freddie be a massive upgrade for either of those teams. And he could undoubtedly return big, big minor league capital and a trade would protect the Braves in the event that the 32-year-old reigning MVP chooses to test free agency for the first time you know, in his 11-year career. Now, the evil genius of me says this. The Braves should trade Freddie Freeman to someone like the Los Angeles Dodgers and then re-sign him in the offseason after getting trade capital. That's the evil genius of me. Now, I don't think that's realistic or how, how it works, but it's funny to think about. Now, um, it's worth mentioning that Freeman owns his 10-5 and five rights, which means that you've spent 10 years in the major leagues and five with the same team. So that gives you baseball's equivalent of a no-trade clause. And the rumor is that the Braves have put him completely off the table in trade discussions. But the idea of allowing the face of the franchise to walk this offseason, which is possible, it's possible, that's just untenable. And so the question is, are you better served to cut your losses this season and cash in on Freeman's market before he enters the twilight of his career and you get diminishing returns on his play anyway? So, I don't know. That's got some consequences that go way beyond just the diamond. As Freddie's the most popular player on the Braves. I know Ronald Cunha is going to be the face of the franchise, but as of right now, Freddie is the reigning MVP, and he has been the face of the franchise ever since Chipper Jones retired. And it's hard to replace a guy that's that popular, that beloved in the clubhouse, and that good at baseball, both at the plate and in the field. And the truth is, if you just feel like you're a few healthy pieces away from contending in 22, a Freeman trade is kind of short-sighted because if you think I can get one or two bullpen pieces, we'll get our rotation healthy next year, and we'll be ready to rock and roll back to a division title, then again, like it's kind of a it's kind of a short-sighted move. And you talk about splitting the fan base, people love Freddie. I mean, there's no reason not to, and even more so, people love Charlie Freeman. But to me, if you trade Freddie, you're indicating a hard franchise reset. More so than just the typical mid-year fire sale. I mean, that's a hard franchise reset because you're trading a cornerstone of your franchise. Um, not only the best first baseman maybe in team history, but easily the best Braves player of the last decade. So that's going to be a hard one to get the fan base behind. But if you think that Freddie is not going to resign with the team, you have to get what you can for him. So those would be the justifications behind the midseason fire sale, which I personally and not the biggest fan of, but I can understand the logic behind. Option number two, you can go shop in the bargain bin and hope for better health to elevate your team. So the Braves have already kind of started this tinkering around the edges with guys like Steven Vaught and Jock Peterson. Um, you could also go look for DFA players like Adam Eaton to give you just another major league outfielder. And the hope is that you feel a few small gaps on your team and hope for a bump from the September call-ups and the returns of people like Travis Darnot, Waskari Noah, and Ian Anderson. And this would likely include adding maybe one more outfielder and a catcher as well as another bullpen arm. If Vaughn continues to play well, he's been pretty good so far. You may not need to add the additional catcher, but you probably do need at least one more outfield bat and a reliever, preferably left-handed, that is at least decent. And again, when Shane Green's got an ERA of 10, and you have to send A.J. Minner down to AAA, the standards are very low for what's going to help the Braves in the bullpen. (laughs) 
But the truth is, the most likely outcome of just fixing small holes of your roster is that you remain in baseball purgatory, which is like you're just going to keep adding quad A players to a roster that's already got a bunch of them, and it's not really going to put you in the first. But it's going to keep you just close enough that you don't want to sell off because you feel like you could possibly get there. But the truth is that if you don't end up winning the division, you have wasted the chance to get valuable assets for someone like a Charlie Morton. And while the Mets are super flawed and the Braves are only four and a half games out of first place, you have to remember that they haven't been above 500 all year and they haven't been able to string together more than four consecutive wins. I mean, if you win this season and you've been above 500 literally for all 162 games and you've got assets like Charlie Morton, Freddie Freeman, Drew Smiley, and Travis Darnot still on your roster, it's kind of a fail by the front office. Those guys didn't help you win a division title and you didn't get anything for them. So... That's one of the reasons that the second option, which is to kind of shop for the bargain bin and hope for better health, isn't the most attractive. And this brings us back to what we said earlier. Let's say that by some miracle, the Braves do get it together and get into the postseason. With a no-name outfield and a just horrible bullpen, does this team even have a chance of getting within a sniff of the World Series? Because on paper, teams like the Dodgers and Brewers and Padres, even the Giants, are just way better. And my counter to that is this. While that may be true on paper, the Major League Baseball playoffs don't take place on paper, and you regularly see flawed teams get hot and upset teams with superior rosters. Just go back and look at the 2017 through 2019 Dodgers. Look at the Nationals beating them a few years ago to win that World Series. And I think people forget that the 2020 Braves had an absolutely dreadful, horrible rotation. Go back and watch the YouTube video I made at the beginning of the season about it. But the Braves won in 2020 with probably the worst rotation in the playoffs, but got once-in-a-lifetime performances from Bryce Wilson and Kyle Wright that helped propel them to within one game of the World Series. Now, of course, you can't predict for role players to have once-in-a-lifetime performances every postseason. That's why they're once-in-a-lifetime. But there is something to be said about just get into the dance and see what happens. And so... The idea that, well, it's not worth it because if you get in, you're probably not going to win. I, I don't buy that. That's not viable to me. Um, but I will say that the obvious difference between the 2020 Braves and this unit is that the 2020 Braves had two elite parts of their team, a top five bullpen, and maybe the best lineup in franchise history as far as production. And you look at the team currently, you have above average starting pitching, and you're pretty much average to below average everywhere else in the roster. So that leaves you with option number three on the Braves season, which is a little bit of a controversial one, which is trying to both buy and sell while still remaining competitive. So this is the most complicated and difficult to navigate because it potentially sends mixed messages about the trajectory of your team to both your clubhouse and your fan base. So like if you trade Charlie Morton, that seems kind of like waving the white flag, but what if he brings back like a high-level outfielder to slot in next to Ronald Acuna Jr., Drew Waters, or Christian Pache in the future? What if the Braves can get like a quality outfitter like Starling Marte, Kyle Schwarber, Joey Gallo, or Trey Mancini without giving up, you know, Pache Waters or Shea Langliers, who's their next big catching prospect? What if you can trade Travis Charnot and turn him into a bullpen arm that's under contract past 2021? Any of these are options that will immediately improve your team while still preserving your future, and those are moves that I would really be in support of making. Now, in this scenario, the hope is that with Freddie Freeman finally back in MVP form, Austin Riley and Ozzie Albies on pace for career years, and Darno and Waskar Noah, who was having an all-star year before he got hurt. With them on the men, maybe the Braves can string together a three or four-week stretch where they win, 
you know, 12 out of 15, which they haven't done all year, and can finally catch the Mets and get themselves into the tournament. And it's not hard to see a world in which, you know, a Braves team that's a cumulus is carried on offense by Freeman and Albies, while Enoa and Ian Anderson just give you lights out starting pitching alongside Charlie Morton if he's not traded. And you have a fighting chance to upset one of these unproven teams like San Francisco or San Diego in the wild card round. That's conceivable. And when you think about the fact that you could maybe do that as well as bring back controllable contracts or mid-level prospects, I'd be open to it. And I'm thinking that maybe this is the route the Braves are going to go as we move forward. Now, no matter what you think about what the Braves should do, I think the conclusion is this. This roster cannot remain as it is. The Braves are just wallowing in mind-numbing mediocrity. And for this roster to stay as it is for the rest of the season is criminal. So whether they buy, sell, or some mixture of both, the thing that's clear is that the Braves need to make moves right now to either win in this year or win in 2022 and beyond. Question for you folks out there, and let me know the answer to this. What route do you prefer the Braves to take? Buy, sell, or some mixture of both? This has been Dave Bethay for the Title Run Sports Podcast. That's it for today. Thank you for listening, and go Braves.